You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a philosophy podcast by students and graduates. Whether you've never heard of philosophy or have a philosophy PhD, we hope you enjoy these conversations as we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. So yeah, you messaged me last night. You wanted to talk about stoicism, so we're here this morning talking <laughs> yeah. about stoicism. Yeah, it's it's like it was pretty extreme. I was just like, I don't know. I read what was it Meditations like two years ago, and I was like, fuck, this is good. I like this. Mm. Uh, this is like because I sort of read a bit of Camus, and as far as I can see, Camus is like a, an excuse for. I think I think Nine talks about it just being an excuse for hedonism, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much true. And the myth of Sisyphus is kind of just like yeah an interpretation of stoicism and then I think in that there was some links to Marcus Aurelius I started reading meditations and then um I read read like sort of reread for it every now and again and that and a bit of Seneca as well and yeah. I just read it last night and was like shit we need to talk about this this is still yeah. holding up so so much yeah it's it's really good stuff I so I was like okay I need to brush up on this because we touched on the myth of Sisyphus at uni and uh, a couple of other people and I think it's it's Similar to a lot of the stuff Aristotle says. I'm not sure if he's a Stoic. I think he was, because I think there's a branch off which is Aristotelian Stoicism, and he's, yeah. he's on my to-read list. Yeah, but he, so this Stoicism stuff is creating a lot of buzz right now, which is the other area that I've come across here, which is humanism. Yeah. Because, uh, obviously, humanism is this positive, uh, naturalist philosophy, his approach to life. But beyond that, it's kind of a little bit ill-defined, um, if you push a lot of uh, humanist normies, maybe the people in London have got, got everything sorted, and I'm doing an online course. In the, the cultural capital. Yeah, uh, but then a lot of other humanists, you, you push them to be like, okay, so what is a humanist approach to ethics? And beyond sort of general maxims, they can't really give you much in the way of existentialism, uh, which I think is fine, because I think um, humanism has, has got a good good start, but then in terms of the specifics, there's not much, but... One of the things that's creating a lot of buzz is these ideas of like happiness courses and how can I be happy? How can I be content? What is meaning? And, and it is that the that's 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 the thing I like about the stoics. Like, is that the main thing of life? Yeah, and is, and these happiness courses have this little um, this sort of seeding the way for to, for stoicism because stoicism is is something that you know because stoicism isn't about being happy. So people go to these courses. Oh yeah, I'm a humanist. How can I be a happy humanist? I want to be grinning and yeah it's like well that, that's like that's that's a temporary state if if you if you want that you just need to be on some fucking psychoactives that constantly feed mm. serotonin into, into your brain yeah you're not going to be like that and this is what i like about stoics is they go okay so most of most of life is going to be either some drudgery or it's not going to be like awesome all the time it's not going to be like perfect happiness you're not going to be able to even buddhism talks about like you know you're not just going to be sat there like levitating and just like floating and going ah, in perfect happiness. Yeah. It's not what they mean by happiness or meaning or contentment. So it's this idea of uh, was it eudaimonia? Oh yeah, sure. Eudaim- I'm, I'm, I'm this, this is what I, was, I thought I'd talk about it because it's like my only exposure to it is these two books. So we could see yeah. another point of view and some and so also some anti-stoic stuff as well. Yeah, I don't I don't really know much in the way of anti-stoicism. I came up with a few points because I listened to the partially examined life podcast, which is like really good. If you can't tell, it's a, our podcast is basically trying to be that. At I, some point. I, I listened to it, and like the way they introduced it was literally the way you introduced the show. I was like, yeah. ah, I've got it. I got, I, I got what you want about there. There we go. Yeah. 
Um, but no, yeah, it, um, Udam and I had this idea of fulfilment, basically. The life with Udam and I is basically the life of sitting on your deathbed and going, yeah, that was that was a good life. And that's that's what I really like about um, what was about uh, Seneca, is it talks a lot about death and the fact that at any point you should just be like, it's obviously paraphrasing a lot, you should be like, yeah, I'm done. Mm. And he was there was one really good talk about um, how life is short and it's like how people put off all of the things they do. Um, he was talking about... Um, Augustus and saying like oh one day I'll be free one day I'll be rid of this and it's like that idea of the old man who's saving up for his pension and he's going one day I'm going to retire to this Caribbean island and drink mojitos and it's like yeah that's never going to happen mm. and if you spend your entire life saving up or thinking about that as the end point then you're going to get to that age and get as most people do now I think regretful and go oh shit I've wasted my entire life yeah I haven't actually lived so you have to enjoy the moment yeah, there's a, there's a time for quotes because I've got many written down. Um, well, we sh- we should probably um, shit. <laughs> you lost it. <laughs> no, I got to. I got. Uh, Can you read your own writing. No, I can't read my own fucking writing. It's well, like, I, it's like generally actually impossible. To I think I think we should probably contextually frame all stoicism. Like, so we're talking about when we're talking about Seneca and Aurelius, we're talking about Roman stoicism, which itself yeah. was continued on from Greek stoicism. And it's, I think, yeah. Yeah, and, and Zeno, um, it sort of descends from Zeno and everything like that, which uh, is not the the god of uh, Scientology. Scientology, Zeno, yeah. And then, yeah, so there's been a little bit of a revival, I think, recently in virtue ethics, and even in like uh, kind of business formats and stuff, like people I doing think, like courses. I think definitely, and like it's almost got to the point of like over the top now when yeah. you see like all these videos on YouTube and like all you got to do is wake up and work and have a dream and work and work. And it's like, well, that's, that's not like really practical. That's just you saying the word work and thinking it's motivation. It's like, just do, think, do, grow, <laughs> achieve, survive, yeah. kill, maim, burn. And it's like, it's not really stoicism. I saw I saw a guy, um, I might have talked about this before because it's the, the funniest thing I've ever heard. It's like that amazing Nietzsche quote. It's like, if you have like a big enough why... Uh, you can survive anyhow. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's awesome. That's like, if you're, and this is like sort of stoic, right. like, if you're, mo- if the reason for you're doing enough. it is big enough, you can get mm-hmm. through anything. And I saw a guy who put it like, your why has to be bigger than the other man's punch. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. It's like, yeah. taking that to a new level. There's this dichotomy between believing and knowing. Yeah. Which I've found um, from my little bit of reading. So the myth of Sisyphus is this poor cunt who has to push a rock up a hill for eternity yeah the entire miss of, of, of Sisyphus he actually does some really jady stuff before this happens like he kills so it's a punishment from the gods yeah he kills the god of death he tricks the god of death into a cupboard handcuffs them uh, he manages to live as a king or like some sort of it's just like the, the what he does is like it's kind of worth punish, uh, being punished right. and it's like he outsmarts the gods for so long and then um that's like the punishment for his hubris and his like actual achievement of doing it. Right, yeah. Because man- I think he gets sent to hell and he manages to get himself out of hell and then he gets punished again. Right. Which is pretty fucking shit. So yeah. his punishment is to push a rock up a hill for eternity. Yeah. And I think that doesn't he doesn't he get to the top and roll back down, he has to go back down and get Yeah, as soon as he as soon as he yeah. gets to the top, or as soon as he's about to get to the top, it rolls back down and So um the whole idea with Stoicism is that Sisyphus has no control over his situation, but what he does have control over is the reaction he has to that situation. So yeah. the only way he can uh, kind of 
get back at the people that have punished him is to actually enjoy his punishment. And it's also, I think, it's about you can choose your mindset in the midst of a punishment, which mm. is all about the, the sort of stoic ideas. Like, you, you can't control everything. It's not like solipism. It's not like the world exists only in your head. But it's like the one thing you can control is your reaction to that situation. Yeah. And having control of that. And it's like, I think Camille talks about it. It's like, you should imagine Sisyphus happy as he walks down. And he's just accepted his lot in life. And he's accepted this is his stone to roll. And he goes, oh, okay. I'm, yeah. now, I'm now doing the purpose that I'm a part of. So this is probably a good time to say that this sounds a lot like Buddhism. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, and it sounds a lot like the mindfulness stuff we talked about in the mindfulness podcast. Uh, is there any difference? Do we think this is I just t- a I Western what, I think, version? I think they really do complement each other. So I've started getting I started getting a lot more into meditation. I found it helps be like less reactive and sort of emotionally detach a little bit more. And that's not to be like, oh, super cold, like fucking uh, Benedict Cumberbatch weird android but it's like just just to recognize when emotions are coming up and go okay i don't have to feel this way and it's like marcus aurelius has got awesome quote where it's like uh all is as thinking makes it so Mm. and it's like you the way you think the way you think in your head is usually the cause of it and there's another seneca one which is i think we don't we don't suffer so much as we suffer in our mind and it's this idea of, like, if there's a bad situation or, like, say if you've got, like, a speech or something. Yeah, we focus on the negative. Or, we, or you just think about the negative all the time. Yeah. And you go, like, what if they hate What if they hate speech? What if they throw stones at me? What if uh, there's an IED in there? What if I shit my pants on stage? And it's, like, you create all of these, like, negative things. And then when you actually go through it, when you pay attention to the to the present that you're in, you mm. don't actually have any of that. You're do you creating the rest. Do you think that's a bit too much to expect of people and do you not think that there's a, a point to to worry and anxiety and even depression like, I think yeah, great yeah, artists I, I have come out with great stuff from through depression I, only in a de- depressive stage of their life yeah that that's the I think I heard Stephen Fry talk about this on a um, on the Sam Harris podcast he was comparing people who do mindfulness to cows chewing in the field which I was like that's pretty funny it's like yeah I mean, yeah. I mean, I was like, they're just like you know just chewing away and it's like don't they ever get bored? Did they not have, like, you know, surely a lot of drive comes from these sort of altered states, like the fear of doing something? I think it's like, I think, yes, but it's like you can have a little bit of anxiety and that sort mm. of speeds you along a lot, but it's too much, and it's just like a little bit of stress will, like, help you out a lot, but too much stress will just generally cause you, like, actual damage. And a little bit yeah. of depression, but then being able to detach yourself from that it's so, yeah, it's more about control, and they use this word equanimity. Of, yeah, of, yeah, of recognizing that oh shit, I feel anxious. Well, I'm not. I can't suppress the anxiety, but I can not let it dominate me, and I can, you know, mix in other emotions and, and a, be balanced. We throw it to Marcus Aurelius over here. It's like uh, he's got he's got a line which talks about perfection of character is this: to live each day as if it was your last, without frenzy, without apathy, and without pretense accepting what you can do in the present and not letting emotional states control you as well. Yeah. And it's easy to see where the the modern idea of stoicism and apathy come from because they, they say you... Is it apatheia or something? Which is where the, the word apathy comes from. Yeah, I think in here, I don't know this translation, they just call it apathy. Yeah. So they'll just say that you are... It's a tiny bit misleading because obviously people think of stoics in a modern context as people that are boring or people that are from uh, George Lucas's prequel trilogy people are just like stern faced yeah emotionally unresponsive and angry all the time yeah and the idea of apathy is being not caring but it's not yeah it's more about um, controlling passions 
and yeah. they, because they talk about passions as negative vices and emotions and anxieties is probably a better translation of passions. Yeah, I think I think in this in this one they call it vices. Like we all have drives to do things that we know aren't good for us, and it's like that. There's a difference between like the passion for someone that you love and the passion uh, for you just like eating like nineteen cakes. Well, it's interesting you bring up love because the Stoic idea of love in the Greek context is basically just Platonic. It's just it's um, it's that mature idea that it's not the romantic, lustful stuff, yeah, it's and it's not, not the. It's more logical. It's more thought through. Yeah. Which I, I, yeah, I get that, but then at the same time, they, or at least certain Stoics, take it to the extreme and say things like, well, if your loved one dies, you should be content and happy in that situation. You shouldn't, you should, it could, because it's not, it's, it's out of your control. Yeah, it's, not, it's nothing that you can control. That's where it starts to lose me, because I'm like, well, uh, no, because I, I think there is a value in but also, sometimes but losing control. Yeah, but I think there is. There is a little bit, but also probably not in losing control. I think this is maybe this is idea of to be generally in control would be good. I think. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like it's not about being like a massive control freak because then that just causes like people who are very like conscientious about control in their life just have massive stress and always feel out of control. But it's more like this. It's same with Buddhism, which is why I was like laughing when you talked about that at the start. It's this this feeling of being able to to let go mm-hmm. and just being able to go like. So in, in the situation where a loved one dies, they would have already led a life that is so full and rich that by that point it's not a mourning for them to pass. And it's it's like one of these things where hopefully they should have led such a good life up to that point that they go, okay, well, there's nothing... Like, Jim, when they lived each day to the full, there was nothing that they're going to regret. Yeah, there's nothing they didn't and, say. And the also that you cannot affect that. So that's if let's say if someone has like uh like bone cancer or something and it's like that's a really horrible thing and it's like you're not going to be happy and stoicism is not like a, a a red pill that just makes you emotionally flatlined but it's this idea that you can't control that so you need to try and find the good that's in that situation yeah and, it, and it's it's uh i think it's a little bit of a caricature to say for a stoic if someone dies next to them they're not going to be upset yeah, so yeah. It, it's more it's more the <laughs> yeah. idea of okay, so um, how can you get through? That? It's the process of getting through that as well, and the the yeah, it's a practice. It's not something that just comes instantly. It's it's that, that's yeah. what I think is awesome about stoicism is like it generally is so practical. Mm. And I sort of I think when I talked to you about this originally, I was like reading it again. It's like almost like a self help book from like three thousand yeah, yeah. years ago. It, it generally. I can imagine Tony Robbins just like flicking through this and being like, oh yeah, I'm going to change that and put the word punch in there and make it cool. Yeah. And it's like, like in, especially some Seneca, there was, um, I was listening to Tim Ferriss podcast and he was talking about, who's another sort of like modern, uh, stoic fanboy. And he talks about how, um, there's a couple of days of a month you should practice the worst case scenario. So not, not like just think through it and not go, okay, if all my family died, what will I do? But actually, you know, practice it. So, uh, Seneca would like you know spend three four days just like wearing like the worst clothes he could, eating no food, eating beans or like eating rice or whatever. Tim Ferriss was also talking about this where he would just go on like five six day fasts, decide to not spend any money. I and heard he used to he used to go on walks um, in clothes. Is this, is this he, Seneca. Yeah, Seneca. Yeah. yeah, he used to wear slightly. He used to dress down and walk in fields when he had people waiting for him, bodyguards and stuff. And carriages, and he would, he would go, no, 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 fuck that. I, and I, 
Yeah, I heard he did that. To keep it attached to... Yeah, to, to give him a grounding in reality. Yeah, and he also talked really badly about um, about some Roman, like, uh, high-up senators where, you know, they accuse them of being so decadent that they mm. they don't know whether they're riding on their palaquin on the cushions and they, they have to ask, am I sat down when they get seated? <laughs> like, am I seated? They go, yeah. imagine being so fucking detached that you can't tell if you're seated. How does a man like that know he's alive? Yeah. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Cause and, and research, by, by, by living that worst case scenario, mm. you then remove so much fear because you've already had the experience of, of what if I don't have any money? What if I have to wear the same clothes? What if I can only eat rice and beans? What if I have to walk from here to the Aventine? Yeah. Not you, as, you can do that. It's not as ascetic as um, like the cynics. Um, yeah, it's but it, like, it's somewhere between the extreme version of hedonism and the the sort of people wandering around in sandals and fasting for days and days and days. Yeah, which I think is a bit intense because it's at that point that's more like Buddhist, like you've given up on life. Mm. And the thing I love about stoicism is just about getting shit done. It's like yeah. there's so much about it is just like okay, you've got things to do. What are you going to do? Find out what you need to do. Get that done. Getting shit done. Can we? Can we use philosophy? In that sense, can we just go back and like like this is kind of the problem I had in the mindfulness with with it as a tool for yeah. Like, can I, is it is it right to just go back into philosophy or religion and just go? Well, I want to get shit done. I'm going to use that idea. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is the whole thing with mindfulness. Is like I I, I don't think of it that way. I think this is like I read this and was like, oh, this is cool. And then as my life progressed, I went back to it and was like, oh, shit, either that planted a seed that has become the way I think, or this is now just, like, so in line with the way I think. Yeah. I think that's, like, a bias anyways. People sure. go towards the... Um, people go towards the the philosophy that is basically like them anyway. Mm. So they just go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I'm like this. Oh, oh people wow. That, people don't I choose like, philosophies. I like this. Yeah, yeah I philosophy think, chooses them. Yeah, I think that's, that's this common misconception with philosophy. I mean, people are that and then philosophers write about the kinds of people and ideas that people already have it's very rare that people jump around to different philosophies well yeah exactly and it's like unless unless you're like really unless you're really fickle and you're like yeah. oh I'm a solipist today oh I'm a fucking Lutheran <laughs> yeah I believe, um, I believe in the, the world of J.R.R. Tolkien but there's, t- there's two ideas um, with this whole self-help thing so the one thing is um, there's a a wider context that I think shouldn't be ignored because you've got to think of this. Into, do you know anything about like the metaphysics? Ah, uh, oh no, girls, metaphysics. Because because uh, it's trigger word. Yeah, right. um, there are certain ideas about the world they had which informed why they had this ethical view. I was literally about to read this bit about about because uh, he talks about like natural and like being like operating as a natural being. And it's this is like, like a book club. We should do this more often. I'm, I'm, you, I'm like, I mean, you in that chair reading honestly, to me. It feels fucking good. I feel like uh, I feel like I should read. We'll do it next week. I'll do Matilda. <laughs> it's like at a break of day when you're relaxing to get up, have this thought ready in mind. I'm getting up for a man's work. Do I still then resent it if I go out to do what I was born for, the purpose of which I was brought into the world? Or was I created to wrap myself in blankets and keep warm? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, it's that idea of like man being just like an animal. And he talks a little bit later on about like, um, about when you see, oh, those of you who love nature, when you see a spider doing a spider's work, when you see a bird doing a bird's work, you're not like, oh, that's weird. Why isn't it just relaxing? Yeah. It's like we all have, I think they do go a little bit on the natural side. Like we all have like purpose, we all have a thing. Yeah, so this is a naturalistic secular philosophy. Yeah, which is um, cool. One of the first, one of the first to exist really, relatively speaking. But um, yeah, so wrapped up in this idea also is the idea that things should be a challenge. 
that yeah. should be easy. But then you also talk a bit of this as being like self help. So um, is it, I just wonder: is it hard? Is it easy? Like I, th- I think the cool thing about it is, is like it's about self imposed challenge, and it's yeah. like I'm not saying I'm like super Mister Stoic, but it's like a lot. I'd say like eighty percent is like basically things that I do, and I think also when you read any sort of like read words like seven seven rules for highly effective people and it's just it's just stoicism it's just like stop wasting time do the things you know you need to do uh form habits that are good for you and it's like that's exactly the sort of things that are brought up in stoicism yeah and it's because it's from marcus aurelius who was the emperor of rome at the time looking back and going what do i do that helps me out and it's like there's things that he literally talks about like practices like at the end of the day reflect on your day talk about the good things you did, talk mm. about the bad things you did. And so, if, yeah. if you do that, then you start to, you, you become like a self-training dog. You go like, oh, well, I did that. That's good. And then your brain goes, oh, I thought that was good. Cool. Yeah, You're just glossing over it. You're actually reinforcing the things that make up your character. Yeah. I wonder if it's a little bit too doctrinal. It's a bit too like, okay, so here's what you have to do. Do that. Yeah. It's, it's a bit too fixed. Yeah. I think maybe, I think that there are some things which are, which are definitely like that. Yeah, because it's, it's really a philosophy in the sense of uh, here's my philosophy. It, it's here's, not. It's not so much the things in, that I do. Yeah, it's not so much an attitude. I think. It, I think it's more of an attitude. I think the things that Marcus wrote because he never meant this for wider publication. Mm. This is just like his journals, and like uh, yeah. Seneca is a lot less like here are the things to do because he's um he's giving out like he was meant for a wider audience. So he's a lot less uh, sort of rule based. But I think Marcus Aurelius. He writes all these things down in order to like remind himself to do them. Yeah. So it's like reflect on the day, uh, yeah. like exercise, do things like this. It does strike a good balance between being prescriptive and then actually arguing against prescription because it it's also um, morally quite relativistic. Yeah. It doesn't say oh these are the right things to do or whatever. It it basically just says no the, the process is what matters, which is why it's a branch of virtue ethics. It says you know culminating and cultivating character. Is what's important, not um, you know this action is objectively wrong. It's... Yeah, it says some things objectively wrong, like don't lie. Yeah, it says like like just don't lie, and then also like obey your nature. And it's yeah. like that. That's sort of as far as it goes is clamping down on like absolute rules. Yeah, well then it says that our nature is social, and that's kind of a problem potentially because I think there are certain contexts in which you need to be antisocial. I think there's like I, it's very difficult to imagine a um, a revolutionary who's a stoic somebody who's so passionate and irritated about a state of affairs that they take up arms yeah and and I think that's a problem for stoicism because until everyone adopts stoicism you do need people being overly critical overly passionate I read through some bits and I was just like oh as much as I love him he's starting to sound like a straight up communist at this point it was like things like uh, think about yourself in league with everyone else around you without them there yeah. is you are no one without you you are no one well that's the thing it's, it's, it's very much um, accept your place in things and don't and, and you know learn to love it it's a bit like um, those yeah, yeah, yeah. Warhammer <laughs> propaganda <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 like uh, bless the mind too small for doubt yeah I, I think we've said this every single podcast this is like uh, an underpinning theme is like Warhammer 40,000 philosophy which we need <laughs> yeah. to do a podcast on because it's so funny but just it's, talking about Tao yeah just oh just, Commun- just space communist <laughs> it's literally just what Tao because they're just brainwashed like communists 
Yeah, there's this idea that um, it's very egalitarian, Stoicism. It's very, um, it speaks out against the keeping of slaves and uh, women as well as being inferior. It, it, early communist, proto, proto-communist. Maybe. maybe in, in, yeah. good, in good and, and bad sen- senses. But I, I think it needs that um, element of digestibility. It's, I think it has a nice balance between being doctrinal and being just this loose attitude. Because I think, it, yeah, so that makes it easy to pick up and also it's not literally just telling you what to do. Yeah, it's not saying, like, it's not Ten Commandments territory. It's not saying, thou shalt not, thou yeah. shalt not. And what I like here is, like, the proper way to behave is this. And it sets up this idea of, like, like an ideal. You create this ideal version of you that would not do these things and you're always falling below that. You're never the ideal version of you that you put in your head. But you have that. You, it's this idea I think um, Marcus Aurelius talks about like what would Zenu do and he had this like a projection of Zenu in his head going okay he's awesome stoic dude yeah. um, he's going to handle this perfectly I'm not going to handle it perfectly but I'm going to try my best to be like that or take the teachings that he did and it's like so it's setting a high bar but also setting a high a- bar. accepting that you're that you're going to fail in- imperfect yeah. yeah accepting the imperfect setting a high bar but not like Catholicism where you've got to be like I'm yeah. sorry that I didn't reach out to well, this, this is the thing like, it's just like okay look well done yeah, Ch- Augustinians, Augustinians took this as like oh this sounds very Catholic like we're gonna we're gonna milk this and yeah. the, the Neoplatonists and the Neo-Stoics yeah they, they they loved this shit they lapped it up and they took it in completely the wrong way yeah but I think yeah. it's like it's how, how you want to read it, isn't it yeah well do you think that this could be good to um, do you think we could sort of market this like sort of not us to well we could oh but, yeah let's do it now <laughs> but like cult. do you think it could be marketed and actually made into a philosophy that people just walking down the street would follow and say oh yeah I'm I, still, I, th- like, I think already in a, in a modern context I think already like um, different sports people already use this and it's like in the, in the wonderful world of podcasts there's already people like Tim Ferriss who literally have done whole podcasts on stoicism and go this is my grounding uh, for life he talks about like he talks about a guy uh, called Jersey um, who says, yeah, hard decisions, easy life, easy decisions, hard life. Right. But it's that idea of like doing the hard thing is better. And we've got like people like David Goggins, who's an ultramarathon runner, and these guys who don't probably haven't read Stoicism, yeah. but they're just, they've got like this overbearing Stoic idea. And it's like also in podcasts, which I've also gravitated towards because I live in an echo chamber. Yeah. And it's like people like Jocko Willink who will say basically the same things throughout history. And it's just about overcoming your own personal weakness yeah so uh, like you said people don't choose philosophies people yeah, already have a philosophy into it. so that I, yeah no I think I think stoicism does would speak to a lot of people then in that case because yeah it's this idea of because we said that happiness isn't isn't the true goal of everything but I think most people would agree with that if you ask them certain thought experiments like okay so if you were just hooked up on some drug yeah. just you know on a like an MD spiral that would keep you constantly mm. at, your, at, at the happiest you've ever been. Yeah, right straight into your pleasure cortex. Whatever <laughs> it's called. I, I, I'm not a scientist, but like... Yeah, well, like you haven't been fooled at pleasure cortex. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if, you could, if you could do that, nobody would do it. Um, but then I think it's a little bit too simplistic to say, oh, therefore struggle is, is good. Because it's like, well, you want to find that balance. Yeah, there, there was a dichotomy because... That there is like this idea that you you could go way too far and you can go struggle equals meaning and yeah. then you could you could then maybe a bit like the cynics just wander around uh, eating like sixteen calories of rice 
and you know just yeah. like fasting and just doing insane things I think there's a good point where you can push it to find out where your limits are and then there's actually a yeah. point where you just it's just like self-torture yeah but yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's not uh, objecting to happiness it's, it should it's, be your main goal yeah meaning of fulfillment is, is more important which is this is this is why I think it's cool um, one of the things uh, good old Dr. Jordan Peterson talks about and he's got a massive following now as well uh, talking about happiness not being your main goal and about setting targets and stuff. And yeah, I was reminded a little bit of that stuff, some of the stuff you talked about before. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, I think, I think it's because it's like some ideas are just going to come back around and you're going to find, you're going to find some people who uh, are just constantly rehashing the same ideas, aren't they? Yeah, well, Jordan Peterson does a lot of that. Well, yeah, because my, my beef with Jordan Peterson is a lot of people are like, oh, he's the world's best philosopher. It's like, no, he's, a, he's an amazing researcher and a really smart, awesome dude. But it's like, literally everything he's doing is just going, ah, oh, Dostoevsky thinks this, Jung thinks this. And it's I like, Carl, yeah, what, yeah. what's amazing about him is that he exposes to other people. Yeah, he just, he just throws up psychologists. and Yeah, exactly. And he's, he's like a facilitator. He's not saying, I've cracked it. I've oh, got, yeah. The only thing he says he really doesn't like is like, ideology. And that's his big thing. He's like, don't like that. But then he's not saying, I've got the answers or I've got a, a philosophy. Yeah. Well, yeah, most of the stuff he seems to throw up, I, I, I find myself... Going, yeah, sensible. That's that's a good that's a good crack. But then Dostoevsky's kind of stoic. He's got that uh, amazing thing yeah. he talks about. Uh, the main goal in your life is to be worthy of your suffering. Yeah, well, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's awesome. The fact that you should just be able to meet the things that come with you with a, a good idea. Yeah, I think well, so. Basically, we're just talking about meaning and control. And I think yeah, most people like those two ideas. Yeah, of course. That's why I won a massive election on take back control. We, uh, I was reading, I was. I'm a teacher. I was reading a, a thing about formative assessment and it said, we're going to take, uh, I shit you not, 2014, we're helping you take back control of, form, of assessment in the classroom. You look at banks, take back control your, of your finances. Of your data. Take control, take control of, of your data. Yeah, and well, it's like this idea of just soothing. I think you, you, you hit on the can of worms now. I think this is the result of most of the world's problems. It's just this, this lack of control or lack of meaning. Or lack of perceived control. Yeah. And I think I think uh, this leads into like this is why this is a possibly a cool antidote for the whole God is dead, everyone freaking out. So mm-hmm. I think if everyone read a little bit of stoicism, yeah. So, so my, so my lecturer said the other day that his um, his class uh, of of thirty four people, um, there are only like eight of them left now because of mental illnesses and all kinds of things. And he's like, this shit, this is the collapse of Western civilization. There's just it's not. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> mental illness is on the rise. Oh, yeah, 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 people, yeah, yeah. lots of people are just... Um, I agree with that. I don't think it's yeah. a collapse of... Because people have been saying that for, like, no, forever. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's hyperbole. But, um, yeah, no, I think there's something in that. I think there's... People are, are, like, more and more experiencing a lack of control, a lack of meaning. Yeah, so you, you think stoicism would, would sort of counter that? Yeah, I think it's a really good practical application. I'm not saying it's going to... It's not going to cure if you if you've got mental illness yeah but i think it's a very it's a very grounded way of seeing the world and also just a way of being able to tolerate things that aren't great and just being able to being able to sort of detach a little bit and go hey look i've just got to do this so it's a coping mechanism but also a little bit more than that it's it's it's, because i yeah i think the the important thing is it has this existential dimension of of almost answering that question of why we're here as well which it does um in the greek context but i think that's kind of 
a little bit lost now in these modern applications of virtue ethics? Well, I think one of the things it's really good at is like uh, helping you find perspective and like and thinking about how you are just a small part in a, this is why sometimes it sounds a little bit communist. Um, like that, that you're just a small part in a massive thing. Marcus Aurelius talks about people who have died, like emperors who have died, and it's like he, I think he compares them to leaves. And he goes, okay, where they now? Mm. They're all dead. You're gonna die. Everyone's gonna die, and it's not about that. And no one's gonna. You're never gonna find fame that's gonna last forever. Yeah. And it's this idea of just dealing with the life that you have at this time. And maybe maybe we we all do think a little bit too much about existential problems. I think you were talking earlier on about um yeah like these big questions like uh, meta ethics. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just like, do we need to, do you need to think about that all the time? Yeah, it, it's I, good. It's good that there are people who do, but it's also like I think I think it, I think it's you a, fixate I think it's, on it. It's not yeah, actually. sure. I think it's useful at some point in your life to go, oh shit. Um, yes. What is good? Because I'm using this term all the time. And I, I don't think it would necessarily change, like we said, people don't choose philosophies. I don't think it would change anything, but I do think it would give you a sense of perspective. Because at some point in your life, it's going to get challenged. You know? and, and I think it, it is good to think about good and, good and bad in those senses, to go, okay, shit, what, what do I believe and why do I believe it? But yeah, you can't walk around going, oh, fuck, all, having an existential crisis all the time. Yeah, because that's, that's, that is the path to mental. Yeah, but, but like I said, um, anxiety can be good. In, yeah. in small doses to because I, I you it know, can I, be useful I've had anxiety attacks going oh shit why do I believe anything hang on let, oh, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. let me sit in a room for for a day come back out and go right okay now I've I've, I've worked it out it's like Descartes uh, meditations that when he he has his uh, Cartesian doubt his big you know why does there anything exist at all do I exist and then he comes out and goes there you go solved it spoilers <laughs> he didn't <laughs> yeah spo- spoilers we can't measure it yeah. And it's like it's hard to prove whether he did or didn't. Yeah, but I, I reckon he did. I reckon he's well. Right. The philosophical community is basically like, oh shit, he's he's thrown up a question here that that nobody can really answer. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't think you need to you need to answer that question in in the way that he wants it answered. This yeah. absolute oh, this is why things exist. But I think in terms of functionality and things, in terms of how you live your life, you can you can sit in a room and go, okay, so I've I've got enough answers for now to be going on with, now I can get back to working in retail. Yeah, do, yeah. Do, doing maybe something that I don't want to do for the moment, but there's, as long as that's not your entire purpose, because your purpose is not to do that thing. Mm. Your purpose is to do something beyond that, but that might be something that you're doing at that time. Yeah. And just being able to go, hey, look, I'm just going to endure this, and also I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let this be me in my head I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not yeah. gonna let that be my entirety it, it invokes it invokes it. this idea of um, dignity I think as yeah. well um, there was actually I don't know if it was Seneca or someone earlier one of the Greeks said something about um, it was Plutarch it was he said um, if life isn't worth living uh, by which he means there's no dignity in your life um, it would be permissible then to commit suicide and that that kind of reminds me of um like assisted dying which is something i care a lot about seneca's got a quote really good thing here which is imagine now you were dead or had not lived before this moment now the rest of your life is a bonus live it as nature directs and it's yeah. the idea of thinking about so and, yeah, and, and it's a difficult thing to have that perspective making making yourself small making yourself go like okay just imagine that you were dead or this is the day you die it's like you know when people have um 
near-death experiences. Yeah. And then they go, oh, fuck, I can now, I'm going to go skydiving, I'm going to play the flute, I'm going to, like, get my PhD, I'm going to do, I'm going to do whatever. I think if you sort of take that big, long, drawn-out view, that third-person view... I'm still a little bit sceptical because, I mean, most people who go through near-death experiences and then have that euphoria afterwards yeah. usually give up on it after well, yeah, yeah, because a short while. Yeah, because they're not fucking... They're, yeah, they're not doing this. Yeah. They're not doing this. There's no self-discipline behind it. There's just... Yeah. There's, there's the original... There's the original, uh, oh, fuck, I should do something. I'm tiny. Uh, my life's... I could do so much. And then they go, oh, but I'd rather, you know, sit on my phone for like 15 hours or whatever. Yeah, I, I, that's the problem. And I think to, to combat that and to really be useful in a modern context... I think it needs a little bit more than a couple of uh, ancient Stoics. And yeah, definitely. Like, I think it needs to be more of a movement. That's why I think it would be interesting to see if humanism can actually uh, really I think humanism double down could if it, if it became Stoicism. Yeah, well, I, well, that's the thing. I think that a lot of what has been floated around, because humanist ethics isn't really a thing yet, and this is what I worry about, if, if it takes on this, will humanism then become a doctrine? Because one of the yeah, will it start saying you have to do this? Yeah, one of the great things it has going for it is that it's it's very open. But that's also one of the things that makes I think a lot of people hesitant. Go, well, what really is it? But yeah, I think maybe if stoicism could become part of humanism, if it could become central to that, which I think in a lot of its ideas it, it sounds like it is. Um, the, the two of them can kind of use each other, and then it, it could actually be something that people can go, oh, okay, so this is just my worldview now. This isn't just like a little practice I do on the weekends and therefore yeah. it becomes more important to me. And that's that's what I mean is it's not this is not a this is not a Sunday church idea. Yeah. This is not I'm gonna go here and, and which I think maybe religion might have had a bit of negativity. It's like, okay, I've done some bad shit this week, I'm just gonna confess it. It's yeah. more of a keeping it up. And going back to what we were talking about a minute ago about dealing with hardships and um when I said that I was going to find the quote about Marcus really shaming you into just going, hey, look, it's not oh, that yeah, bad, yeah. is it? It says, uh, do not let the panorama of your life oppress you. Do not dwell on the various troubles which may have occurred in the past or may occur in the future. Just ask yourself in each instant of the present, what is there in this work which I cannot endure or support? You will be ashamed to make any such confession. Then remind uh, yourself that it is neither the future nor the past which weighs on you, but always the present. And the present burden reduces... If only you can isolate it and accuse your mind of weakness if it cannot hold against something thus stripped bare. Yeah, fair enough. It's just like, it's him just going like, oh, is it that bad? Yeah, yeah. fucking... Oh, are, are you making it worse in your brain? Yeah, is it, sure. is it? And it's like that whole Seneca thing, so like, or like Hamlet in Shakespeare. How bad must the fear of death be that people would rather live under like being whipped all the time? Or, mm. or how bad... How bad, or I guess he's not really talking about it. he's talking about the fear of the unknown, but it's like it can't be that bad because the other the other alternative that you always have on the other side is death, and it's like that is there, yeah, no I, yeah it's it sounds very very holistic and very i I'm not sure if it can answer every question no. or dilemma or every or be even useful for every person I, I think definitely not i think like there's also some really big questions and, and i think there's some really big anxieties that that i don't think stoicism reading some stoicism is enough for like people people with really bad mental illnesses i think oh yeah, yeah yeah i think that's a bit you, like you can't just you can't just tell them to read seneca and yeah fine. exactly because that's, that's like that's not going to cure it no yeah um but yeah i think for the average person i think a little bit of stoicism will go a long way and also it's like Quite a lot of people probably live quite a stoic life anyway. Yeah. Like I was thinking about, you know, just the average person doesn't really like their job, going in, getting the bills paid. Uh, let's, let's, let's create a character. We've got someone who's just like working at Mackie D's 
They're like, uh, this is kind of crap, but I'm going to get through this. I think if you take that with a pinch of stoicism, it, it sort of helps get you through as well. Rather than like a pinch of like fucking Camus just going like, oh, you should just inject heroin. Or like uh, John Paul Sartre just being like, we're just, uh, we're just a little piece of nature that's bound to be consumed by like an ever-growing void. And you're like, oh, cheers. Yeah, so it's... Yeah. Like absurdism. You don't really need absurdism to get you through the day. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's optimistic and functional, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's just functional. And probably, I'd, I'd like to learn more about it's like weaknesses and stuff like that. And yeah, I think, I think we covered a few and given some answers to them. Yeah. We've ignored a lot of the metaphysics that underpins some of these ideas and the fact that it's part of an already established worldview of... Because they, they basically believe in pantheism. Yeah, yeah, because he's always talking about, like... Um, I think he's using God almost like in the same way he might do, just as like, just as a model of... He's, well, yeah, so, so, so like, Plato yeah. believes in absolute truth, yeah. which comes from this um, very strange idea of, of God that he has. But then, yeah, these guys, these Stoics, are... They're kind of secular, but then they also have this weird pantheistic animism. The thing is, the thing that I like is this is completely separate from their religious practice. So it's like, yeah. So Marcus Aurelius will talk about gods. Seneca will talk about gods. I'm not sure Seneca really believes in God, but um, no. I'm not sure they. I'm not sure Marcus Aurelius probably believes in the gods, but he's using it as a useful allegory of someone who's so much higher than you can see through everything you do, and you should always act as if they're watching. Yeah, and, and not out to of like fear. A functional truth. Yeah, and not out of little... fear, but just like, hey, there's a judge up there. Mm. Someone is looking at me. Yeah, so it's like this useful idea that yeah, I think there's possibly another context-dependent idea. That this idea of well, how much can ideas from ancient Greece speak to people now? Yeah, um, like this fear of being too anachronistic. I think is the problem. Like. Can we just can we literally just take ideas from ancient Greece and go? Oh yeah, I'm that now. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. So yeah, that that's why I want to. I kind of want to see it pass through some philosophers first, which it is being in like philosophy. A, like a modern, yeah. a modern take on stoicism. Because there are people that um, like Elizabeth Anscombe and stuff that and Philippa Foote that worked virtue ethics through the the grinder of of history, and then turned it out into something that's that's appropriate for a modern context. Um, it'd be interesting to see that done in a way that's a bit less academic so that people can get on board with it but because like I said I think there are a few ideas within this old idea of stoicism that are dependent in a lot of ways on the ideas that were being floated around then and it's a little bit like yeah because it's not made in a vacuum you can't just copy and paste the uh, the way that I think some things you can Uh, yes some things you definitely can but I think you can't just take the whole thing and go like you were saying I am Roman stoic it's like well yeah, you, you don't, don't live in that society. Don't live in, Rome, don't live so. in that time. Uh, you're not part of like a, a feudal system. Yeah, because like as you were saying, like part of it's just hey, look, accept your lot in life. You're in a caste system. Yeah, you just you're just gonna hey, look, you're just gonna make that corn. It's alright for me. I'm the emperor. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's alright for him to be like hey, know your place. Yeah, but I, I think yeah, I'm, I'm more contextually sensitive. Idea of this would be would be great. And I think I think we've we've started to get that in a lot of like these workshops and um, I like kind of lectures and stuff yeah I'd like to see it become more mainstream definitely yeah it'd be cool it'd be cool to see it evolve and also I don't know if it's like a politically right or politically left thing I don't know if it's well that's the thing like, so yeah where would it sit would it it's sit not, anywhere it's is, not, it, is um, it away from politics like? yeah and it, it's this thing of how would stoicism 
How would it help interact? you help you solve political problems? How would it help you solve a trolley problem or a, this problem or yeah? So that that's my other reservation with it. It's like okay, so it's yeah. an attitude, but it probably help you solve it? the trolley problem by just figuring out which one's less than the yeah. That's what I imagine. If you run it for like a, if you, if you imagine you've got like a stoic filter, like a pair of sunglasses, like you just put on your stoic vision, and then suddenly it's all filtered for that. Probably just probably just become utilitarianism yeah. <laughs> you probably just go like hey look there's five on that rail there's only my son on that one <laughs> yeah but this idea, yeah so it's very much about self-control it, it, and it's okay besides saying that we're social creatures and saying that we should cultivate virtues to help other people and stuff it what does it really tell us about these communal problems and these problems yeah. to do with other people it's very uh, self-focused which I think is fine but I think yeah it, it's this it's an existentialism rather than a uh, an ethics or a morality yeah because it's it's not like Christianity you can't roll it out I don't think because it is so it is so about you just going taking ownership of you and just going hey look I'm just gonna I'm gonna deal with me mm. and then you've got to count on the person on the right of you dealing with you and Marcus Aurelius talks about it he says like hey you're gonna meet people who are you know he basically says you're gonna meet assholes mm. and you've just gotta not let that affect you but then it's like like a a really effective thing would be a way of helping those people not be assholes. But that's not what Stoicism is saying. It's saying, hey, look, the best way you can stop people being assholes is for you not to be one. Yeah. And Seneca's very removed. He's Kind of live by example kind of thing, yeah. Kind of live by example, but Seneca's almost a little bit removed. He's saying, look at all those people. That, like, what's he, he says, like, idle, uh, like, they're wasting their time on their own, like, in idle preoccupation. Yeah. Which I think is, like, kind of like a funny thing. Yeah. And he also talks about, which is kind of what we're doing now. I read this and literally laughed out loud. I was like, "Fuck!" But it's talking about like our people in um, people in Rome are doing um, doing what they've done in Greece for years, which is like sitting down talking about academic literary questions, and they're busy in the preoccupation of doing nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh shit, that's pretty good." It's like it's yeah. like you know when you talk about Game of Thrones for like four hours and you're just busy in uh, idle preoccupation of doing nothing. It's like, God damn it, Seneca's throwing some shade there yeah. <laughs> across like 3,000 years or whatever. Yeah, just literally fucking existing. So the main thing that we've got, uh, what we think about Stoicism now in the modern context is that it's very, very Instagram friendly. So you can just whack up a, a photo of a, of a clay face, of a yeah. sculpture of Seneca, put some... Uh, put one of his quotes on there and suddenly people think you're really deep and cool. So, should we end it with this one? This is a good quote. I haven't talked about this before, which is uh, from Seneca, which says, Life is like a play. It's not the length, but the excellence of the acting that matters. It's very good. It's very deep, right? It's very apt. I'm going to put that on, um, going to put that on friend tube later on. Yeah. And then with, a, with a beach behind. <laughs> just a picture of me just like uh, sat out in the rain. Hashtag. Uh, no, you can't be stoic, it's a beach. You've got to be sat on a granite cliff. Hashtag live, love, laugh. Live, laugh, it? love, live, laugh, stoicism. No, it's like live, meaning, don't laugh. <laughs> Non-reactive. <laughs> Internalise. The, the main cool thing about stoicism is it's really Instagram friendly. So, oh shit, literally get a phone call. That's right in the podcast. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I just got an email through saying it's all sorted out. So, um, yeah, so they, they got they got a send. Oh, yeah, they, so I think um, I just got an email from the website.